0: lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's his sins they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. (laughs) But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. To God.
1: Thank you, Joyce. Just a prayer before I speak. We pray, Lord, this morning that your word will be a lamp to guide our feet and a light to shine upon our path. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you again this morning, a spring morning, but rather cool at present. And as we listen to this morning's reading and Thomas's understandable request for more tangible evidence, It occurred to me that in various walks of life nowadays we're required to produce IDs and other documents. We're going to have to when we vote next month. And as one of those curious bird watchers, I find that bird identification can often be challenging. A few days ago some of us attended a fascinating talk in the community centre by Graham Giddens. He's a very experienced ornithologist and qualified bird ringer. And he showed numerous photos of small brown warblers he was holding in his hand. These are commonly known as LBJs, little brown jobs. And even in the hand, they're often very difficult to identify, let alone skulking in some dense bush. Hello? Hello. Oh, we have a, a, someone to identify here, too. And that's why I commend the, the hoopoe as one of my favourite birds. Have some of you seen hoopoes? Not often, but probably in, in the continent. It may look somewhat like a cartoon character, but in fact, There's no mistaking it when you see one. It looks like a large butterfly with its striking black and white marking. Uh, And I remember the first one I saw, I was playing tennis as a young person down at Bill, And I was about to serve and I saw this hoopoe. And I abandoned the tennis match because I thought a hoopoo I could only see rarely. I can play tennis more often. People thought I was mad, and they probably still do. But unfortunately, it only rarely crossed the channel to our shores, usually in April. But in Spain, the southern Europe, it's a welcome sight. So I commend Mr. Hoopoo. And in Spanish, I love the name. For My Spanish isn't very good, but the hoopoo is Abubilla which is usually a bit of knowledge, but it sounds good. And so, returning to today's reading, we have another great and memorable passage from John's uh, Gospel. And um, uh, judging by the final verse of today's reading, it was probably this chapter was the final chapter of John's Gospel, and chapter 21 was added later. And uh, the theme of today's talk should really be from doubt to faith, but I intend to rephrase it somewhat by calling it from anxiety to peace, from anxiety to peace. And part of my reason for doing this is because I spoke on this same passage last summer on St. Thomas' Day and I don't really want to repeat the same message today and I I must confess for feeling a bit hypocritical here because, because some years ago I wrote a rather pompous letter to Scripture Union because I just read their notes on this passage and it was by an experienced writer, and she never really mentioned the fact that Thomas made that wonderful declaration. So I wrote this rather pompous letter of complaint, and got a courteous reply. And so I'm a bit guilty here of not actually singling out that wonderful statement of faith that comes from Thomas at the, towards the end of our reading, where he says, My Lord and my God, which in fact forms a very fitting conclusion to the original end of John's Gospel. And this morning I'd like to approach the passage from a somewhat different angle. Did you notice the same four words from the lips of Jesus that are repeated three times in today's reading? It's page 1089 in the Church Bibles. Anyone notice the same four words three times? Only two words in Greek. It was, peace be with you, and that comes three times. And in the original Greek it's just two words, "Irene human. Irene Irene is not such a a fashionable name nowadays, but I had a formal aunt called Aunt Irene. She wouldn't have been an ideal mother-in-law, because she's quite formal. And she had the rare distinction of celebrating two silver weddings to two different husbands. There was nothing sinister there. She She remarried soon after losing her first husband, and she had two happy marriages. And so that's Irene, and peace is a very rich biblical word in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament word is shalom, which denotes completeness, soundness and a sense of well-being, and is used when one prays for the welfare of someone else. It can also contain the sense of spiritual well-being, and that's certainly the case in the New Testament. And the other day I carried out a quick survey of Paul's letters, and in fact all the letters in the New Testament, and every one of them begins, every one of Paul's letters begins at the start or near the start with a greeting containing the word peace. It's often coupled with the word grace. Grace and peace are often linked together. And so when later in this service we greet each other with the words of the peace, we're following in illustrious footsteps. And returning to John 20, why do you think Jesus repeated the words peace be with you? Three times. It's good to think about that. Because earlier that first Easter morning, as we just heard from Henry, Mary Madeline had arrived with the really exciting news that she had seen the Lord. And clearly the disciples were still very apprehensive because we're told that they were gathered together behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish authorities. And then when Jesus suddenly appeared through locked doors and showed them the scars in his hands and feet, at uh, his hands and side, they must have experienced a mixture of shock, surprise, but also, of course, overwhelming joy. So when Jesus greeted them with the words "Peace be with you," they must have come as deep words of reassurance. They may well remember those words that are recorded earlier in John 's gospel, not long before Jesus death when he said to his disciples, "Peace, I live with you, I leave with you, my peace I give you' I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And so what greater reassurance could they have received than this clear demonstration that Jesus had indeed conquered sin and death, as he had clearly predicted on numerous occasions. And this brings me to my second point, that following on from Jesus' promise of peace and reassurance to his first disciples, and to all his disciples down the centuries, in the light of his resurrection triumph, we might well be thinking, what does this signify for me in my everyday Christian life? And to help me answer this, let me read again some verses from our our reading, where again Jesus said to them, "'Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you.' And with that he breathed on them and said, "'Receive the Holy Spirit. "'If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven.' If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And that really highlights one of the most important blessings and achievements of Christ's death and resurrection. Forgiveness of our sins shortcomings, as we, we sang in that lovely hymn, How Great How Deep the Father's Love. So since Paul spells this out most clearly at the beginning of chapter five of his letter to the Romans, a great chapter where he writes Therefore since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And it's interesting that out of the many books that the late Billy Graham wrote, the one that sold most copies was entitled Peace with God. Peace with God. It's clear this is something that many people long for. And I don't know if many have read this recommended book Failure. It's a great title. To listen to that recommended Lent book. But there's a great there's a great passage towards the end of one of the chapters talking about forgiveness. And uh, first of all, the writer quotes from Psalm 32: uh, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Then she comments. God then may be perfect, but he's very forgetful when it comes to our sins, negligent even in the matter of counting our sins against us. That is a great encouragement to all of us who consider ourselves failures. And then she goes on. A clergy friend of mine went into a local primary school to take an assembly and subjected herself to a grilling by the children. She said they could ask her any question they wanted to. That's a brave thing, doesn't it? What's the worst thing you've ever committed? What's the worst sin you've ever committed? Piped up one child. Without missing a beat, my friend responded, I can't remember, and neither can God. It's a rather good answer, isn't it? And someone once remarked, God not only has a great memory, he also has a great forgettery. So that's a great, a great comfort, isn't it, to many of us. And... The final aspect of peace I'd like to mention today is that sense of peace which results from trust in God's promises and we don't have time this morning to look at that wonderful final chapter of Luke's Gospel where Jesus draws alongside those two downcast and depressed disciples on the road to Emmaus and... um, Eddie reminded me that's the subject for a later talk, so just a while. (laughs) But it is relevant a bit in this respect, because one of the most memorable details of that encounter is when Jesus, the risen Jesus, opens their minds and hearts to all the remarkable prophecies in the Old Testament concerning his life and death and resurrection. For example, if you read Psalm 22 or Isaiah chapter 53, you find amazing details concerning Jesus' crucifixion. In fact Jesus quoted the opening lines of Psalm 22 in the depths of his suffering on the cross My God, my God why have you forsaken me? Those are the words of David in Psalm 22 and St. Gustin put it rather well when he said the new, that's the new testament is in the old concealed the old is in the new revealed. The new is in the old concealed The old is in the new revealed. They complement each other. And with regard to promises of peace, the Old Testament contains many references, not least that familiar Christmas reading from Isaiah chapter 9, where you have the prophecy of the Messiah coming as the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. And moving forward to the New Testament, again we have many promises of peace for those who turn to the Lord in faith, however faltering, that faith may be. And one of my favourite passages is to be found in Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 4. I think I'll single out that chapter 4 of Philippians as one of the great chapters of the New Testament. If you're ever asked to lead a Bible study at very short notice, why not opt for this chapter because it's full of wonderful advice and promises. And I'm sure this verse is familiar to many but I'll read it out in the New Living translation where Paul writes, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I suggest those verses are worth learning by heart Many may know them already, but they are so practical and down-to-earth, they contain a wonderful promise. And today, as we're aware, we're clearly surrounded by many things that understandably promote anxiety. Instant breaking news of disasters worldwide. The pressures of social media, especially on young people. Uh, The impact of climate change, continuing strikes in the NHS and elsewhere. And each week, when I go to buy my Livington Times, I hope for a cheerful headline, but I don't often find it, but one day perhaps I will. But it's um, perhaps a sign of the times. But I guess each one of us experiences anxiety in different ways. For me, it is modern technology, where I feel out of my depth. And one of our family kindly sent me a card a year or two back, which showed a man at his computer, turning round to his wife and remarking, I'm not sure if I've just completed the latest Tesco delivery order or adopted twins. And And that rather sums up my level of competence. Not quite sure where you are. And returning to our verse in Philippians, I love its practical simplicity. Perhaps it sounds almost too simple, but it's always worth putting it to the test. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything, even things that seem small to us, but I'm sure they're important to us and to God. And if we do this, we're promised the Lord's deep supernatural peace. And we are reassured that this peace will guard our hearts and minds. And that verb, guard, is a very strong verb. It suggests formidable military protection and security, if you like, as if we're surrounded by Nehemiah's rebuilt walls, which anxiety can't penetrate. And just on a final note of encouragement, at the end of our home group meeting last Tuesday, we, ch- we shared various prayer needs, as we usually do at the end of our meeting. And just after our meeting, I decided to take our friend's little dog for a walk round the churchyard here. Without going into details on the walk, I discovered that two of the items we just prayed about appear to be answered rather sooner than expected. So it's it's always encouraging when prayers are answered almost quicker than we are aware of it. And I'm sure that's often been your experience. I've just about overshot my time, but in closing, I love these words of that old hymn, and I'll just read out the first verse. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And then the chorus goes on. It is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. I guess that's the kind of greeting we wish one another when we share the peace together. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.